WATD presents Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. If it's Monday night, it's got to be Monday Night Talk with Kevin Tachi. So thanks for having me on. Kevin, good for you to hold back and let him tell his story. Putting the South Shore spin on politics, current events, and pop culture. You guys are the center of the universe today. At least the political universe. I believe both of you are, are from the area. Marshfield guys, yes, no? Correct, yeah. That's right. There's only one person not from Marshfield in this room right now. And it's you. It's me. <laughs> I'm the outcast. Well, you've always been generous with the time. I appreciate it very much. Well, I'm honored to be on your show tonight, Kevin, with that impressive lineup you have. I believe our guest that we've been waiting for, Congressman Stephen Lynch. Kevin, good to join you. The governor of the Commonwealth, very Charlie good. Becky. You ready? i got to tell you that uh, it's really nice to hear Aerosmith on the intro there. You're going to be the rock and roll governor? I don't know about that, but... <laughs> we have Mayor Joe Sullivan joining us, sir. How are you? Well, Kevin, very good to be with you again. Dr. Drew Pinsky. Dr. Drew, are you there? I'm here. Thanks for having me. Mr. Ming Tsai, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, thanks, Kevin. Massachusetts State Auditor Suzanne Bump. Hello, Auditor. How are you? I am fine, and I'm delighted to be with you this evening. And now, your host, Kevin Tachi. Welcome and good evening to your Thanksgiving week edition of Monday Night Talk. My name is... Kevin Tocci, so we are uh, coming to you live from Broadcast House, and uh, we got uh, quite the uh, nifty lineup this evening. It's a very impressive lineup you got very, there, very, Kevin. Very, very, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, pseudo Bob Headland, ah, a.k.a. Uh, Jared Valenzola, uh, chairman of the Plymouth County Commissioners, and also a host of his very own program. Uh, from 6.15 to 7 with his um, host of uh, JVites, including Corey yes. and Tom. Yes. Uh, one of these days, we'll have to invite Corey to Tachi Talk so he can be a part of the program. <laughs> yes, the Tachi Talk. I, that, I, was, I, that was great. You know what's funny, though, is, is that, that you and I were kind of talking earlier today uh, as we, we happened to bump in. Bump into each yes. other. It's funny how or- that works an out. An organized type of a thing. And uh, I, I had mentioned, as far as a little bit of admiration, is I, I get a kick out of uh, I, There's enjoyment when I hear Tom when he opines about certain things and his depth of knowledge. Yes. And uh, how quick Corey is willing to, if, if there's something that he feels that isn't uh, 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 true, yeah. he'll call it the way he calls it. The best part about hosting a radio show with Corey Welch is it allows me to sound normal and uh, almost like minded, <laughs> almost like almost like you're you're down the center, right? Which is it, it, which is I'm actually probably more conservative than he is, but um, I'm more measured and nuanced in my approach to things. Whereas Corey, and hey, Corey does a wonderful job on on the JV team, he and he's a very uh, intelligent businessman. Don't, don't tell him I said that, though. Very successful. Well, we'll see if he's listening tonight, if he's tuned into Tachi all, Talk on it's, Monday it's night. All, it's all well and good. Uh, open invitation as long as... as long as long uh, Maybe we'll schedule As long as his that. host shows up with, yes, with you. Yes, I will of. be happy to bring him in. He could he could be fun to revive your red-blue segment. Ooh. Ooh. Well, we'll, we'll we're going to get to that. <laughs> we'll get to that in half a second yes. here. But again, Jared will be... Uh, he's kind of opening up things. We'll get a little bit of a, uh, a county... Report from him how things are going. Uh, following this, Brockton Mayor Bob Sullivan joins us as we get a chance to uh, catch up with him uh, as to uh, the outcome of the election. Uh, he's only one of a few mayors who actually made it to who has made it to 
a third yes. term what, since they have changed it over from a four-year to a two-year. So we'll talk with them about that. And also- That is so difficult. Now, are the county commissioners walking in the Greater Brockton area um, holiday parade? We did last year. Are you going to do it this year? I am going to try. Oh. That was a very- You know what is great about parades in Brockton? And this isn't to put down parades- uh, and on the, any other part of the county. I'm going to tell you what isn't great, but go ahead. You go first. What's great about parades in Broughton is they usually go in like a square, right? So you, yep. so generally you end where you begin as this is really like this is really like first world problem talk here. But whenever you do a parade, like when I used to do them in Rockland, you start in one end of Union Street, you end like two miles down the other end. Then you got to find your way back to your vehicle, hey. depending on where you're coming from. So, um, so Brockton, the Middleborough uh, Christmas Parade, I believe, is also Saturday. I did that one in 2021. I did Brockton last Rotate year, so, so I might, yeah, I might do Middleborough. I'm not sure if I'll do Middleborough or Brockton. But what's great about parades in Brockton, the Middleborough Parade, Middleborough Parade literally ends where it begins. And look, that is a huge advantage for parade marchers. That is a logistical advantage. Now, now, did you watch or did you have anything to do with the the uh, Americans' hometown? I watched parade? it. I was I was uh, present. Uh, it was an excellent parade. Uh, Ollie Kudos to Ollie. Yep, Ollie DiMasito and everybody involved do such a wonderful mm. job. Uh, in Plymouth County, you know, certainly, um, you know, we provide some storage for some of the floats. So where. We're happy to partner with Ollie and America's hometown parade. County does so much. People don't realize we do. The county, the county does a lot, as I often say, and I know we'll get into it in a little more detail. But we do the unfun stuff of government. But you know, um, I would hate to imagine what our um, what so many of our communities would do without us. And, and I don't say that facetiously. There's so much that the county does that uh, it's not going to excite you. It's not going to make headlines, hopefully. But uh, we do a lot. But that parade was also excellent. Extremely well done. Floats are great. That was my first time ever watching it. Mm. I'd catch it here and there on Channel 5, but um, but it was the first time ever seeing it end-to-end, physically in person. Wonderful job by everyone involved. So there was a place that I was, I was going somewhere, because t- when you talked about the Greater Brockton, and I was going to say, you were like, oh, it's great. I'm like, well, I'll tell you why it isn't great. Well, one of the things that I caught during the America's hometown and it was one of the they kind of they touched on it for a second but you know they they have all floats but they also have animals horses yes and of course the horses didn't get away with just kind of leaving a little of themselves no, they're, behind they're pooper scoopers I will, yes and as I saw that I'm like huh that's what the holiday parade is lacking because as a as well, a re- yes as a reporter whether it was for um this medium or others uh, times covering it where the horses let go and it stayed there. <laughs> yeah. so just kind of. There are a few times actually but, you say that. Last year I remember marching and um, having to be cognizant of those yeah. of those landmines. I that felt were springing for those, up. I felt for those who had to march after the horse or who were somebody immediately <laughs> near. So just uh, something to, to keep in mind. But um, so we're going to talk with the bear about that. Uh, we'll also speak with Megan Driscoll. Uh, she is the author of a new book called Seeking purpose so okay. i'm looking forward to talk with Very megan nice. about that and then we'll close things out uh this kind of conversation started last week when i had uh, michael flynn on for just a bit uh, prior to uh, um i almost called him senator mayor headland's uh segment uh we were speaking with michael flynn ceo of monarch Co- uh, communities uh, while joining Michael, it won't be Nigel from uh, America's Top Model. He was in studio okay. last week. Eileen Mahoney, executive director of The Current in Weymouth. 
and we're going to talk about this is a new senior living space that I had a chance to tour um, and is is amazing. So we'll talk awesome. we'll talk a little bit about but but that. But let's get right into the meat and potatoes of uh, talking about what's going on with the county, Plymouth County. Uh, how are things uh, these days with the county? Well, you know, the county's doing well, Kevin. We're back in our offices. Uh, for those who uh, have listened to WATD, we had a, a pretty nasty flood uh, earlier this year during that big freeze, the, the negative, what, 20, 30 degrees. Oh, like February, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, back in February. We finally got back in our offices in September. I shouldn't say finally, but I give a lot of credit to Frank Basler, Doug Wedge, the guys in that building. Uh, one of the things we decided to do while the building was ripped apart was we upgraded our HVAC systems and we now have energy efficient mini, mini splits. All the rooms are on their own zones. Um, so we're going to be able to save thousands of dollars in energy costs and be more energy uh, efficient. I, actually tonight, and, and I'm glad you're talking to Mayor Sullivan, when I leave here, I'll be going to Brockton to present an ARPA check and a burn grant check. So of course, one of the things uh, that Plymouth County does is we solicit the JAG burn grant, which goes to uh, Brockton, Plymouth, Wareham, in Middleborough's police departments to help support purchasing equipment for their police departments. Uh, so I believe it'll be about $48,000 grant that we're giving to Brockton uh, through that program as well. So we'll be doing ARPA uh, and the burn grant. Uh, the county keeps uh, county keeps plugging away. You know, one of the biggest things, that the biggest challenges that we have is uh, the real estate market is our revenue driver. And uh, the real estate market has been taking a little bit of a hit with high interest rates. The refi boom is done. Um, thankfully, we had a lot of money above and beyond projection the last couple of years, so we're able to spread that out in the leaner years. But uh, we are continuing to do uh, more with less. Of course, we administer care, uh, the ARPA program. Um, we have uh, continued to uh, manage the other post-employment benefit uh, trust fund uh, with uh, OPEB. OPEB, Plymouth County OPEB, OPEB. PCOT. Um you know, that has um, – we have reduced the county's OPEB liability by over $23 million since June 30th of 2012. Um, and the county right now, we've prefunded it, and we have approximately $1.8 in our OPEB trust. Other communities, though, are participating in that, right? So one of the biggest things that is sort of this multi-billion-dollar albatross or piano hanging over the heads of municipalities and many government entities – is other post-employment benefits. Yep. And Plymouth County created PCOT, Plymouth County OPEB Trust, so communities could begin to have an investment um, uh, mechanism to address that liability. Uh, when you hire an employee, we know they're going to get a pension, but most folks forget they're getting health insurance, they're getting dental, they're going to get vision in, in retirement. So uh, paying for that and getting ahead of that and having that money um, banked for when those employees are getting ready to retire uh, is something that Plymouth County pioneered at our level. And we have multiple communities that are participating in that. Uh, we do, as I say, and you've heard me say it on this program before, Kevin, we do the unfun stuff of government. That's not the fun stuff, right? That's not cutting a ribbon. I mean, we do the fun stuff too. We're, we have a big check that we're going to give to Brockton tonight for ARPA, but we're doing a lot of the unfun stuff too. That, that stuff that 
you know, when, when people want to talk about whether Plymouth County should continue to exist or not, well, if we didn't exist, we're not creating that program. Is that question still asked these days? It is, okay. unfortunately. But, um, I, you know, I don't mind it to some degree. I know some do. I, I say it helps me to know who our friends really are. Uh, it helps me to know who uh, out there really believes that the county provides a value add, but we do. And, and, and that's one of those areas. Now, if we don't exist and we don't be – imagine if we're not existent, Right. And we're not helping communities pre-plan that OPEB uh, liability and and tackle that. Well, that's a lot of money to those communities, right? And that's a lot of money at once, you know, when it comes up. Uh, Plymouth County created a program to begin to address that. A lot of little towns in Plymouth County, community, great towns. Every town in Plymouth County is great, but a lot of smaller ones like Plimpton, um, Marion, Rochester. They don't do their own procurement. They rely on the county, and Frank Basler in, in our office, the commissioner's office, does that procurement. As it relates to ARPA, uh, many commu- every community in the state received their own allocation of ARPA funds. But because Plymouth County is also doing it, Treasurer O'Brien in his office has served as an outlet for communities to make sure that what they're spending their ARPA money on is compliant. So that's, that's, that's scratch on the surface. Uh, of what Plymouth County does. And if we didn't exist, those are services that frankly wouldn't be out there. We've been able to transform, and I, and I got to give credit, as I often do, to Treasurer O'Brien, Commissioner Hanley, Commissioner Wright, and, and yes, my predecessor, Commissioner Pallotta. The county has gone from being a headline-grabbing uh, bleep show <laughs> to a legitimate regional services entity that is standing on the precipice and forefront of helping member communities in Plymouth County and communities outside of Plymouth County with services that are necessary but cheaply done uh, or or more effectively and efficiently done uh, when collaborating and working on a regional basis. Um, And and we've been doing that again with the OPEB Trust, the Dredge Program. Uh, We've expanded our extension services team. Molly Vollmer, our extension services director, is wonderful. Meg Riley, Blake Dinius, Kathy Akinpora, do a wonderful job. So if you see a bug you're not aware of, you can yep. send it to Blake. Blake yep. will tell you. I know you. who Blake is. Yeah, does a fantastic they, job. Yeah, and they're out, the word our, out. They are. They're out in our communities. And as a matter of fact, I learned this. I was at the sheriff's uh, aquaponics launch Friday at the farm. I wasn't aware uh, that one of the sheriff's cows um, had a calf that she rejected. Oh, no. So it was Plymouth County's 4-Hers, our 4-H volunteers, that nursed that baby calf. I mean, the mother was not... Was feeding the calf. His name is William. I got to meet William on Friday, um, and that that's just again some of the stuff that that, that we do. Again, regional grants. Uh, the burn grant is accounted for over a million dollars, and uh, the central, um, you know, Plymouth County Water District. We, we also provide services to. Do our. you feel like you have to be other than being the chair and being a member of this of this uh, commission that you also have to be a walking PR firm too? <laughs> you know, a little bit. I, I think. It's funny, right? You know, I, I for the sins of the past forefathers who were county commissioners, you're paying that. Yeah, forward. you know, it's interesting. Obviously, our role, the, the the role of the county has evolved. I mean, we've been in existence since 1685, so we go back a little ways. Um, and as I often say, myself, my colleagues, I consider us just a small blip in the overall history of what Plymouth County has been. Um, I'm a big believer that results speak for themselves. And I know we've talked about CARES on here, so I won't 
continue to extol mm. the virtues of that. But yeah, so much that we have to talk about. So right, there is so much others. But again, when people ask, what would what, where would we be without Plymouth County? I can tell you that the twenty seven member communities, the nonprofit hospitals, and a whole host of other uh, entities in this county would not have received $44.5 million if Plymouth County didn't exist, if we turned those CARES dollars over to the Commonwealth, who then in turn sent them back to Washington, D.C. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I I personally believe that our results speak for themselves. We're a lean operation. We we Everybody from top to bottom in our organization, Register Buckley, Treasurer O'Brien, my colleagues, uh, and everybody from, from the commissioners on down to our maintenance staff, Registry of Deeds staff, 4-H Extension, Mayflower Municipal Health Group, parking. Uh, they all get up every day. They work their, their tails off, and they do a wonderful job, and they're providing those services for the county that, again, on a budget of $11 million, we're not – you know, we're not we're not some of these towns that have budgets in the seventy, eighty million dollar range, two hundred and fifty million dollar range. Uh, we're a very lean operation, but we're providing so many regional services. Well, fortunately, you don't have a school system. You have to give uh, that is true seventy to eighty percent of that uh, revenue to. So you've you've lucked out. Yeah, we, you know, I, and it, it, that is true. Um, I, if we did have a school, though, I can tell you, I, I think my counterparts in Norfolk and Bristol counties that do have schools, you know, they're still. You know they have to provide obviously you know schools are the major ge- revenue generators but um but even the lack of a of a school an ag school or any type of regional school um it, it makes a difference but again you know we're able to provide so many services at at such a such a low cost and we maintain them you know we maintain our buildings we can't we can't neglect there's so many communities that I see that don't fully invest in their building infrastructure, right? And then what happens? And they need a debt exclusion to pay for new building. And I'm obviously a fiscal conservative. I make no bones about that. I have supported debt exclusions in Rockland for our school buildings especially because that's going to pay for itself and the equity you can build in your home, increase property values. But that said, I see so many examples, uh, and this isn't just in Plymouth County, this is around the Commonwealth, frankly around the country where infrastructure buildings... I don't want to say they're neglected, but frankly, nobody looks at what needs to be done to maintain them. Then it turns around and they've gone so they're so far beyond repair that now we need a debt exclusion and override to build a new building. Plymouth County doesn't have that luxury, right? We can't let our courthouses go to junk or our registry of deeds go to junk and then do an override and hope the voters will. Be. We can't do that. Well, you would have to you would have to go to your twenty seven member community. We can't even do that and ask them and ask them to to fund that. Right. Almost like you look at South Shore, uh, Vote Tech, Tech, right. South Shore Technical Tech, High School, right. and yeah, they I guess they re, they've shortened their name. Yes, but I mean they get ready to build either either a new addition or a whole new school. And right. there's an ongoing conversation, but. You know they're they're current. They've already went to right. there, but they also have. You know, it's not like there's a Plymouth County fund that is being you know, um, you know, stored away by the state, right? You right. know, like the the Mass School Building Authority, right? So yeah, it's well, it's and that's just it. And you know, we the, and the other thing I point out, which makes I think what we do even more impressive, is you know, if you're a town government, all of your buildings are in one town. Our buildings are in Hingham. Brockton, Plymouth, mm-hmm. Wareham. Uh, we rent in Rockland, but Hingham to Wareham, that's a pretty big stretch. That's, that's almost north into southern Rhode Island. I mean, that's and that's no exaggeration, right? Yep. So that's a pretty long stretch, and that's where our building... So, so keeping and maintaining those buildings 
um, is an extremely important task. But again, I, I think what I hope we accomplish and what I hope we demonstrate is the value we add to the towns. Um, we cost the taxpayers like $2.30 a year. And that ain't bad for the well, services we're providing to the like people. It's like a small cu- cup of coffee a year. Right. A year. Right. A the, year. The, the, Lou in Rockland loves the cup of coffee analogy. Not a cup of coffee a day. A year. We are one cup oh, of I coffee oh, no, I've heard a many, year. I've heard many override in a, in a cup of coffee. Or Always some, a cup of coffee. Some either coffee or maybe some kind of a breakfast, uh, 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 something that's baked. I quit years ago. I forget what the... Um, what the debt exclusion question was in Rockland, but I remember the person that was putting it forward said it's just a cup of coffee a day. And they go, right, but the thing is I don't drink five cups of coffee a day. <laughs> My God, you would be one exposed nerve if you did. Oh, yeah, I would be, absolutely. Again, if you're just tuning in, uh, we are speaking with our first guest of the evening, uh, Jared Valenzuela, uh, chairman of the Plymouth County Commissioners. Um, you recently went on a trip. Yes. And somehow uh, a conversation came up in regards to a, a I know a beloved, especially in your in your household. Oh yes, beloved and in my heart, re- Kevin retired, currently retired, uh, former New England Patriots quarterback as a subject matter to possibly be president presidential <laughs> material. <laughs> well, one of the things I say, and I, and I I think I talked about it on my show. These are serious times, right? But that doesn't mean we we need to check civility in a sense of humor at the hey. door. A lot of people do. I think that there's still room for civility and a sense of humor. So I have uh, maintained neutrality in the presidential race. And I was definitely toying with. So as you mentioned, I went on a trip to Iowa. I'm on the Young Republican National Committee. I'm the National Committee man from Massachusetts. I'm also the regional director for New England and New York. So I am at my uh, quarterly meeting in Des Moines, Iowa. I didn't see a single ear of coin, corn in Iowa, I should add. Probably a ton of, uh, of uh, windmills, huh? Yeah, well, no, I mean, I didn't see any Depends of it. Depends on where you go. Right. I was in Des Moines. Um, say no more. Um, so I'm in Des Moines. I actually had a meeting with Governor Doug Burgum, who was a very nice guy. Uh, really enjoyed it. He asked me what, it was me and two other people. First of all, I give him credit because it was me and my another friend of mine from Massachusetts and the chairman of Illinois. Now, those are two blue states. He is not winning in a general election no. should he get the nomination. But I actually appreciated the fact that he even took the time to meet with us, right? You know, he knew we were from Massachusetts and Illinois. So at any rate, we um, I decided to have a little bit of fun and enter Tom Brady into the mock caucus that we did the Saturday morning before our meeting. And I actually mustered him to a fifth place finish behind Nikki Haley coming in first, Donald Trump in second, Ron DeSantis in third, and Ryan Binkley in fourth. And Ryan Binkley only came in fourth because he paid for an open bar party the night before, and I think he donated $10,000 to YRNF. So Smart move. We know where our bread is buttered. <laughs> um, so yeah, we're going to vote for Ryan Binkley. And you know what? I, I shouldn't say it cynically. I do appreciate him. I appreciate Governor Burgum and Governor Hutchison spoke to us. Saturday night, I was disappointed to learn Governor DeSantis was down the street from us at another event and couldn't make even half an hour's worth of time. You have you had over 100 young Republicans from across the country there. You had New Hampshire had a full delegation there. Iowa was hosting it. So there were a lot of Iowa young Republicans there. Um, the only thing I'll say on the young Republicans that I, I find that I enjoy, Kevin, is 
we're in the trenches. We're the we are the political activists. We're the ones knocking the doors. You'll we're be the, the ones, future. Yeah, we're talking, but we're talking to the voters. And I was remiss. I wanted to do this at the top uh, to just extend my condolences to the family of John Walsh, uh, who was passed away, uh, yep. passed away today. For those who forget who he was, he's the former chairman of the Massachusetts Democratic Party, current chief of staff to Senator Ed Markey, architect Governor Deval Patrick's. Uh, victories. Uh, I actually bagged his groceries because I worked at the Abbott and Stop and Shop. So he'd come in. I'd bag his groceries. He was a nice guy. I never met him professionally. Um, but one of the things I admired about him was the tenacity in the grassroots activism that he instilled in the Massachusetts Democratic Party. And it's one of the things that I firmly believe needs to be instilled in the Massachusetts Republican Party. It's it's making the time. Look, he was a working professional. He owned a business, but he still made the time to do the activism work within the Democratic Party. And I, I note that a lot of my Democrat friends in the state do that. Mm. Republicans, not just here, but across the country, seem to lag behind in that. It is tough. And look, my Democrat uh, friends and um, I don't want to say opponents, but, you know, we have to contest elections. So they're on the other side of it. They make the time. They fit it in. And, and what I admired about John Walsh was he instilled that in the Massachusetts Democratic Party. What I enjoy about being on the young Republicans is we're instilling that in young Republicans. We're instilling that activism, that grassroots activity, the door to door voter identification and making sure that we know where our voters are and getting them out to vote. That's how you win elections. So that's a plug for both the YRs, but also, again, a a. Uh, uh, condolences to John Walsh, Abington native, uh, former selectman. Um, but, you know, that that's the work that we're doing. And, you know, we have a big election coming up next year as, you know, for us as a party. Um, you know, of course, I got to run for re-election next year. So I'll announce on Monday Night Talk, I intend on running for re-election okay. next year. That's the first time I've said that publicly uh, on the airwaves. So I will be a candidate for county commissioner again next year. And I'm excited for that because I love the work that we do at the county. Uh, and I'm excited to continue doing that work uh, as a county commissioner. So, as we wrap up the segment it's with how you, fast that flies it, by. it flies, I love it, it flies by. But I also want you to do a lot of the talking. So, it, you kind of you fill your lungs, you talk, you go. I do. It's uh, Italian in me. I can't let you walk out of here. Yes. Without talking Thanksgiving. Indeed. Yes. These are the essentials here, and we're we're trying to ask every one of our guests. You're going to be the first. Okay. Uh, and I think it's a poll that Rob does. Rob Hackman yes, does yes. in the morning. But I, I like asking, you know, the folks who come in here as well. Um, when it comes to tur- when it comes to Thanksgiving, yes, uh, turkey or or other, because I know some families will do turkey ham. No, we do turkey. All right. So shout out to my aunt in Middleborough uh, for all the preparation she does for a, a large group of us that converge on her home. Okay. Uh, we do turkey, and I used to do the turkey leg. Now, of course, I talked about my weight loss journey. So last year, I, there was no way I could fit the turkey leg. I might be able to fit it in, but I always used to do the turkey leg. Uh, but no, we do turkey. Um, uh, all the all the fixings. Uh, my favorite pie is pumpkin pie. I don't, don't jump ahead here now. Okay, You're jumping ahead here. Turkey sides, sides in order. Uh, turn uh, up string beans, mashed potatoes, butternut squash, um, stuffing. You're gonna like name off like sixteen of them. I cranberry just, sauce. This is like a top three, honestly. Oh, okay, well I did your top six. Okay, but they're all pretty much tied. Of course, cranberry sauce, a major export of Plymouth County. Okay. Uh, or at least cranberry sauce. Sauce or jelly? Uh, it's jelly. Okay. Yeah, it's jelly. Um, and you with said- the, With the nice can mold, which okay. is great. And and pie? Do you like a pie or dessert? Pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie. Okay. And we throw this in just for extra credit, uh, adult beverage that you'd, you'd want to have with Thanksgiving. So I, 
I no longer drink, but luckily uh, in years past, I used to do you to do white wine with poultry. So I would do white wine with dinner. Really? Uh, I do cider, um, either hard or soft, and now it's soft. Um, before that, though, I was never really much of a beer drinker, but I used to enjoy Oktoberfest by Sam Adams. But the adult beverage was usually a white wine because you should generally pair that with a with um, with poultry, so obviously with turkey. So that used to be the choice. Now uh, it's probably just going to be a nice glass of water. Well, I want to thank you so much thank for being Thank you, Kevin. It's always a pleasure. Our being opening here. guest. Uh, we are going to step aside, and when we come back, we're going to speak with uh, the 50th, the 50th mayor of the city of Champions, Robert Sullivan, up next here on Monday Night Talk. Stay tuned. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. Dining at the patio at McGuigan's. Start your open-air meal with a patio sampler platter piled high with chicken wings, cauliflower, potato skins, egg rolls, and chicken and biscuits. The patio's specialties include koji steak tips, braised short ribs, pan-seared salmon, and chicken marsala. Looking for something lighter? Sink your teeth into a patio burger, pulled pork sandwich, fish tacos, or margarita flatbread. Friday and Saturday nights feature live entertainment at the patio at McGuigan's. Sip on a specialty cocktail and unwind from the week as the fall breeze cools down the evening. The patio at McGuigan's is at 552 Washington Street in Whitman Center. And check out McGuigan's Pub next door at 546 Washington Street, also in Whitman Center. Go ahead, indulge yourself every Wednesday night, tune into the Francesca Luca Show, and join me for provocative conversation, intriguing stories, and inspiration. So sit back and relax, or be stimulated, or both, because being connected feels good. And who doesn't need more of that these days? Don't miss the Francesca Luca Show, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. on 95.9 WATD. Monday Night Talk on Twitter. Start at 959WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk. And don't forget to add hashtag Monday Night Talk to your tweets. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. We return for yet another segment of Monday Night Talk, the Thanksgiving week edition of Monday Night Talk. And uh, it's been, we've been lucky that over the past few weeks we've had a chance to have Different officials uh, who have uh, been part of the election cycle uh, in some of the communities that uh, we have here on the South Shore. Um, last week was uh, Weymouth Mayor Bob Hedlund. This week, we have Brockton Mayor, the 50th Mayor, the City of Champions, Mayor Robert Sullivan. Mayor, uh, welcome back to Monday Night Talk, sir. Kevin, good evening. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it again. How, uh, how are things in uh, the City of Champions? Yeah, you know, this is an exciting week uh, as we're planning for Thanksgiving. And uh, and then on Saturday, we have our annual holiday parade, which is just a, a wonderful uh, community gathering event downtown in the core of the city. And um, it's just awesome, Kevin. I mean, this is, the, the you know, the holiday season upon us. And uh, I'm really excited to, uh, you know, as, as the mayor, but more importantly, as a lifelong Brocktonian to, uh, to continue to uh, uphold the traditions of the parade, which will be, again, it kicks off one o'clock this coming Saturday, the 25th of November. And, um, you know, we have community events at City Hall starting at 10 a.m., really kid-friendly, from face painting to holiday-themed games to popcorn. And um, that starts at 10, and it goes till 1230 with, uh, you know, lunch and pizza, and all this is free. And 
uh, and then we were able to uh, really enjoy the, the outside of City Hall with the parade. And uh, it's just a really wonderful event in the city of Brockton. So, you know, the residents of the city of Brockton and the business owners that support this should be applauded. And then we always have a lot of uh, visitors from out, you know, outside of the realms of Brockton and they're Brocktonians for the day. You know, I have to ask you, I mean, how does it feel knowing that you were, you were, that the residents of uh, Brockton returned you to a third term so that, you know, you're, you're, you're going to be able to enjoy the next two years as mayor and be able to enjoy celebrations like Christmastown USA, as the, uh, the recently named Grand Marshal loves to call it, knowing that the Brockton is the home of the department store Santa. Uh, what is it like to, to have been reelected by, by the voters? Yeah, I mean, I'm just honored, and it's a privilege to continue to serve. And, uh, you know, the voter confidence of the voters, I, I was able to get uh, 6,342 votes, which is about 64% of the votes cast. So, um, you know, I'm excited that people are supporting uh, what we're doing here. It's a team effort, and it's a collaborative approach. And really look forward to, uh, you know, bringing Brockton to uh, to the levels that we all want it to be. And we're heading in the right, you know, the trajectory is correct. We're heading in the right direction, and I want to, you know, congratulate all the uh, elected officials. Some of the incumbents were reelected. Some chose not to run again. And we have some new, two new city councils, two new school committee members. But you know, as the mayor, it's 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 just uh, it's just an exciting time of all the development. Um, I know there's a lot of detours, so it becomes a hassle at times. But you know, that hassle is going to be short lived, and then the progress is ongoing. Uh, you know, and I'm excited. I really am, Kevin. It was a, it was a wonderful campaign. We, we worked extremely hard. I have a great. A support team, uh, and that's what they are. They call themselves Team Sullivan, but they've been with me for many, many, many years. And um, I'm just, uh, I'm really excited to uh, to serve the citizens. And uh, you know, we're looking at two years and beyond, and, and we have a lot of work to do. So we're going to roll up the sleeves and uh, keep an eye on the prize and get the job done. What would you What would you feel are some of a couple of the the top things? that are, you know, in your focus for the next two years that you think of, that the residents want to see, you know, uh, proceeding moving forward? I mean, probably the top thing is to see the completion of the new uh, public safe, safety complex. Yeah, I mean, and, that, and that's right on, uh, right on track. And, uh, you know, if you've, if you've gone downtown recently and you've gone to Warren Ave West Elm Street, the old Brockton High School is gone, right? And uh, we were able to do three friendly takings of three residential properties. So, now it's a full city block, and uh, you know I'm excited to see the progress. Uh, Suffolk Construction is the uh, contractor of record, and you know we will have uh, a ribbon cutting uh, summer of 25. So two way traffic will come back to Warren Ave from Spring Street all the way to Belmont Street. So you know that's an important aspect. Uh, it really is a catalyst for investment downtown. Um, but all you know all the development going down in the core of the city and in the Campello South Side and Montello North Side is real. That's all because of the transit-oriented development. We have three commuter stops in the city of Brockton. They jump on the train, get in the South Station, 35 minutes. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see uh, all of the development that's in the queue right now to fruition. And, you know, we want to make sure the businesses that are here have the support that they, that they need and they deserve, but also attract new businesses to Brockton. But, you know, also we need to really look at um, those that are uh, facing homeless uh, issues right now, um, the unhoused. And so... You know, it's, it's a humanitarian approach and working with the different partners that provide wraparound services, and mental health and behavioral health issues and drugs and alcohol abuse. And so it, it really is a team effort, Kevin. So, you know, the quality of life issue, the, uh, you know, the development, uh, homeless population, um, you know, working with the schools, uh, you know, there's just a lot going on right now. And as mayor currently and as mayor, I'll be sworn in again um, on the first Monday of January, which this year is actually New Year's Day. 
Um, but I, I really am excited about the potential of the city of champions, and I look forward to continuing to represent everybody that lives and works uh, in our fine city of Brockton. Talk to me about the, the Greater Brockton Holiday Parade. Uh, maybe do you have any favorite memories, anything special? What is it about this holiday parade that is, you know, makes it tops on the South Shore? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it really is. I mean, we've been very fortunate to have a great group of volunteers um, and people that are supporting with their time and their financial resources. And um, we've had really great weather. Um, and, you know, I'm just excited. I mean, having grown up in the city of Brockton and, you know, my wife's from the city of champions and, you know, bringing our kids to the parade and, you know, I remember my mom and dad, you know, and they're still in Brockton and my in-laws are still in Brockton, but I remember it just being a family uh, themed holiday festivity. And, you know, it, it really is to address all the wonderful holidays. We, you know, we have Hanukkah coming up and Christmas coming up and Kwanzaa coming up. And so, you know, it's all inclusive because that's what Brockton is, right? Brockton has always been a wonderful city of diversity and um, and, you know, so on this day coming up on Saturday, the 25th, it's going to be, again, another representation of what Brockton is about and people coming together, uh, celebrating um, the aspects of history. As you said, the first department store, Santa Claus, was here in the city of Brockton, uh, but also welcoming the new generation. There's going to be a lot of youngsters here and the magic of the holidays will be here. And uh, it's just going to be really a fun day. So I welcome anybody and everybody that wants to have a special day in the city of Brockton to, uh, to join us again. The kickoff of the actual parade is one o'clock downtown in Brockton. It goes right down main street, goes up Legion Parkway and then comes back down uh, and ends at city hall plaza coming down Montello. But um, you know, if, if you have children or grandchildren um, and you want them to uh, enjoy some of the aspects that we'll do inside city hall that kicks off at 10 a.m. And then uh, the man from the North pole will be here. Uh, he uh, Santa Claus is going to make his annual visit. So, uh, it's just, you know what, it's just what the holiday is about, coming together and having a fun time. I call him the godfather of the city of Brockton's holiday parade. Uh, this is a man whenever, you know, over the years where and he's broadcasting when Brockton Community Access, usually when they're doing it, he's sitting at the, the commentary table as we see the floats go by and the folks at home can watch. But there's usually not a time that you don't see him out there dancing among some of the participants. How are you going to be able to keep John in a car uh, in, as he has been named the Grand Marshal of this year's parade? I think it's going to be a challenge. I mean, John Marion is uh, a true Brocktonian. Absolutely. Uh, you know, he, he and his family have had a business in the core of the city downtown. He, he runs, of course, Marion's Tuxedo, Tuxedo by Marion. And uh, he's just a, a really wonderful person that understands the uh, the magic of the holiday season. And he's been an advocate for as long as I can remember. Um, you know, I served uh, many years on the city council, he would come and give everybody holiday Santa Claus hats. And, um, you know, he was uh, nice enough to uh, to always take the time to uh, speak to the to the boys and girls in the city of Brockton and those visiting. And, you know, it's a fitting tribute to have a parade marshal named John Marion. He's, uh, he's a friend, but he's also just an advocate for all that's good in the city of Brockton. So I applaud his selection. There were really great uh, people nominated, other people, you know, equally deserving of the honor. But, uh, but, you know, I'm excited to see John uh, serve in that capacity uh, at the parade coming up this Saturday. Yeah, knowing that John, I mean, has served, I mean, that, every time I've, I've talked to him around this time of year, he is always getting excited, whether it's about the parade or let's do the Christmas, you know, how many Christmas, you know, how many people wearing Santa hats can we get in the city or in an area at once and try to break a record or, you know, um, finding ways to 
bring James Edgar to life by having storytelling at, at City Hall, things like that. That's what I remember of a guy like John Marion. What do you remember of, about him? Yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, like I said, a, a true Brocktonian, right? And, um, you know, he's following on the traditions of what his mom and dad taught him. And, uh, you know, his mom ran to Alice Razion, a really fine women clothing boutique store downtown for, for, for generations. And so, you know, he and his brother Paul um, are really, you know, guys that learned well from their from their mom and dad, their parents. And, um, you know, there's no airs about him. I mean, John is what you see is what you get. And he... he, he you know, loves the city of Brockton and he's been a cheerleader and an advocate. And so again, in terms of, um, supporting his endeavors, um, you know, as an elected official, as a, as a resident, it's really just a proud day. We come together. He was really uh, at the forefront of, like you said, we tried to do the Guinness book of world records for the, uh, largest amount of people wearing Santa hats. Uh, and we did really, really well that day downtown of Brockton. And, so, you know, he is a, a guy that understands the history of, of, of Mr. Edgar and, um, you know, carrying on what the pop store Santa Claus really means for the boys and girls across the United States of America. And he's also someone that's just a nice guy. I mean, he volunteers his time. And, you know, I remember going to see John uh, in the 80s um, and myself and a friend of mine, Steve Spitchell, were giving a presentation at the Massachusetts Drama Festival, which was hosted at Brockton High School in the Nelson Auditorium. And uh, we went to see John, and he was gracious enough. He donated two tuxedos for us to wear that day just to show, uh, you know, kids in Brockton uh, can look good and talk good and, and be a representation of the city. That's just the type of guy that he is. And, you know, that was over 35 years ago, and I remember it like it was yesterday. So um, I'm excited now as the mayor to work with him. And um, he doesn't serve as president of the Downtown Business Association anymore. He, he did that. He did it well. Um, but you know, he is someone that, um, will always be a Brocktonian. So it's going to be a fun day on Saturday. I, I honestly, I, I can't wait. And again, as you, uh, eloquently started telling us at the beginning that it isn't usually this weekend, usually Saturday, it's not just one particular thing, but there are, there are things going on all over the city. Uh, you know, if you, if you find the time to, to look. Yeah. I mean, the parade itself is, 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 you know, it's, Unbelievable! You know, we have the Clydesdales and the antique cars and the wonderful bands uh, and the wonderful people. And, you know, we also have great restaurants downtown and, you know, we have the Brockton Beer Company. And, um, you know, there's just there's just going to be a lot of buzz going on and the weather looks like it's going to be with us. So I'm excited and um, I'll be here with my, my wife and our three kids. <laughs> If I could, if I could ask you, and that is, is what what do the holidays mean to you? What is what do the holidays mean? The Thanksgiving holiday mean in the Sullivan household? Family. Um, you know, my my children are fortunate enough to have both sets of grandparents still here, um, and you know, my wife and I really value that and appreciate that. I, I grew up with just grandmothers. I never knew my grandfathers; they had passed away. So uh, it's about family, you know, and it's about. Um, you know, really understanding that the holidays is a special time and everybody looks forward to them. And, um, you know, it's not what present you get. It's about spending time and in, in, in really creating in the moment um, memories. Like one of the mantras I always say, it's about making memories. And so um, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year's, it's just about family and um, talking about the past and, you know, remembering folks that aren't with us anymore. And, 
uh, always having a smile on your face and, you know, um, in a blink of an eye, like I was elected to the city council before we have children and not now, you know, my, my oldest is a junior in high school and um, my wife and I just uh, really value um, spending uh, time with family and good friends. And so Thanksgiving will be, will be that. And uh, I'm excited about it. And, um, you know, the holidays are, are you know, um, just, it's, it's just magical, you know, and, um, so again, as mayor, it's my role and my job and my duty and my honor to go to the events. And, you know, we did a wonderful event last weekend, we gave out over 760 turkeys, um, to folks. And, you know, I was able to, um, just uh, earlier, um, last week as well, go to Catholic charities, um, and, and, you know, give out some turkeys on that end as well. So, you know, generosity is real in the city of champions, but you see that throughout the Commonwealth throughout the nation. So I do just want to take a moment to wish you, Kevin, and your family a, a very happy holiday season. And those, you know, you have a wonderful listening audience. I, I want to wish everybody a, a happy and healthy Thanksgiving and uh, best of luck in, uh, into the holiday season and into the new year. Now, now, do you tend to go to your folks' house or, or does does the mayor host the family? Does mom and dad well, come to you? Know you know what we try to do, Kevin? You know, it's just, you know, I've been married 20 years now. We try to uh, make it even. So if we uh, go to my in-laws for, say, Thanksgiving, we'll go to my mom and dad's for Christmas, and then the next year we'll flip them. And um, I have a brother who lives with his family in Connecticut and a sister that's uh, uh, in Taunton, a sister in Situate, and, you know, they'll be coming up as well. So, you know, you, you can't always be at one house for hours on end or a whole day, but it's about flexibility and the fact, again, that, most of my immediate family lives in the city of Brockton. You know, it's five, 10 minutes in a, in a car and it's just awesome. So, um, I will tell you, I will be breaking my keto diet, uh, on the day of Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's one of my favorite holidays. And, uh, again, it's just, uh, as the mayor, I'm, I'm, I'm able to, uh, to go to a lot of different events and support people. Um, but on the holiday, it's about family and spending time with uh, those that you love. Okay. So this is what the theme that we're doing with our guest. I had to do it with Jared Valenzola. Uh, during the last segment, doing it with you, with you, uh, favorite part of the bird. You know, I, I really, I, I, I love the drumstick. Um, mm. you know, I, I, but I'll eat any aspect of the bird. I really will. Um, uh, I like white meat. I like dark meat. I, I, I just, I just love turkey. Uh, but we also have ham as well. So I try to double down with a couple different things, but, uh, it, it is a day of, uh, enjoying yourself and, uh, one of the seven deadly sins of gluttony doesn't come into equation that day. Amen. Now, all right. Now, how about a side? Do you have a favorite side or do you have a nothing, one-two punch for sides? With, you know, I, I, I love mashed potatoes. Being Irish, I love potatoes, right? But I usually try to take the mashed potatoes and the stuffing and then I throw a little cranberry there or a little bit of gravy on top. Like and, a gobbler. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know what? Yeah, yeah. The, the gobbler. <laughs> Absolutely. Although I don't have a little mayo at the, at the, at the table that day. But uh, yeah, I just, I just enjoy every aspect of Thanksgiving. Okay, so now we can't let you go without at least saying, is there a dessert or a pie that the mayor of Brockton favors? Well, you know, I wouldn't say pie singular. I'd go with an S plural pie because I, I love to have a little bit of apple pie with whipped cream or ice cream, uh, vanilla ice cream. And then there's always a pumpkin pie. Um, and then all of a sudden I've been having a little bit of zucchini bread. So, um, you know, there's there's going to be it's going to be a lot of uh, desserts on the table. And I'm not going to look at the scale for about a week after Thanksgiving. Yeah, you can't. You get, you get usually during the holidays, and that's what I, I I I try to behave up until Thanksgiving, and then it's all bets are off. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know you, you deserved it though, Kevin. You know you work hard and you can play hard on Thanksgiving. Uh, and I would think that you now uh, the Brockton Boxers are they home or are they away this year? 
their way, uh, and you know, I'll be I'll be I'll be hitting that, and uh, I'm going to try to hit Cardinal Spellman as well in Southeastern Regional because right. I'm the mayor of right, right. Valbrockton, and you know, Southeastern Regional. I've opened tech school over in Easton is 65% of the kids are from the city of champions. So it's usually a little bit of a, a, a busy morning. Um, and in years past, I've been able to bang out a five mile turkey trot, but this might be passed on to the next generation. My, my oldest son might be might doing it as my proxy this year. WATT FM Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. Fall is a great time to enjoy alfresco dining at the patio at McGuigan's. Start your open-air meal with a patio sampler platter piled high with chicken wings, cauliflower, potato skins, egg rolls, and chicken and biscuits. The patio's specialties include koji steak tips, braised short ribs, pan-seared salmon, and chicken marsala. Looking for something lighter? Sink your teeth into a patio burger, pulled pork sandwich, fish tacos, or margarita flatbread. Friday and Saturday nights feature live entertainment at the patio at McGuigan's. Sip on a specialty cocktail and unwind from the week as the fall breeze cools down the evening. The patio at McGuigan's is at 552 Washington Street in Whitman Center. And check out McGuigan's Pub next door at 546 Washington Street, also in Whitman Center. Monday Night Talk continues all week long. Go to 95.9WATD.com slash Monday Night Talk and keep in touch on Facebook and Twitter. And now, more Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi. We return our number two. See, I told you we would be back. We, 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 we're not going anywhere just yet. They're not kicking us out until 8 o'clock, so we got it's more show. Uh, straight ahead. Uh, later this hour, uh, Michael Flynn, CEO of the Monarch Communities, and Elaine Mahoney, Executive Director of the current Weymouth, as we talk with them about their fascinating and fantastic new senior living space. It's kind of like a nautical theme. We'll, get, we'll, talk, about, we'll talk about what I discovered when I did a tour um, for personal reasons, and not because I'm going to live there, but because I, I have a family member who I want to have the best, you know, the best in their, 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 you know, their later years. And so I visited. Well, we'll talk more. You, you stay tuned. But right now, uh, we have a friend who has been on this radio program many times uh, talking a little bit about equity when it comes to fair wage, uh, championing a bill, which I believe that the legislation is moving along. Megan Driscoll is our guest. Uh, now, she's not here to necessarily talk about that. We're actually here to talk about her new book. But we thought, well, we have her in the room. She wants to kind of share an update on the legislation that uh, both she uh, and uh, State Rep. Josh Cutler have been uh, trying to do their best to get a signature on it by the governor. And, and well, I believe it's amendment, right? Is it, isn't there a law already kind of on the books, but this is an amendment? Um, it, it's an it, it's it's itself an individual law that will be on the books. Yeah, yeah. So um, thank you for having me, Kevin. I'm you happy to give you a little update about the legislation. Uh, as you know, it passed the House, it passed the Senate. Uh, it's in conference committee, which right. basically just means they're going to work out some small details between the House and the Senate versions. And I've been told, uh, just spoke to Josh yesterday, that it looks probably more like January, but January the, the governor should sign it into law. See, I would rather it be something that is being hashed out, you know, in the first half of the legislative session than if this is like, you know, here we are, there's only a month and a half left in the session. And then, you know, it might, it might, 
not make it to the governor's desk at the end of December. It might end up just having to start the process over. So this is fantastic. Yeah, no, it is going to be a law in a very short period of time, which is super exciting. So it's um, it's essentially is wage transparency. It's to uh, tackle the the wage and racial um, pay gap uh, that that is alive and well in Massachusetts and was designed to help women and people of color earn equal pay. And I, I believe it's going to make an immediate impact uh, on that. And so we're really excited. I've been working on it for since 2018, so almost five years. What you have done, uh, you and Josh and, and uh, others who are pushing and championing this legislation have done a great job at trying to get the word out there. I've seen um, both of you on TV a bunch of times yeah. doing stories about it, and this is the importance of making sure that it's fair, that it, regardless of your gender, your race, your creed, everybody should have a fair shot at whatever that job is and whatever's being asked. It shouldn't be something like, oh, well, this person is this, this person is that, and then it's a matter of we're only going to give you this because you're this. Exactly. If you and I are doing the same job, we should be paid exactly the same. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So, excited. So, not only you an acclaimed business leader, <laughs> speaker, but now you've added author. Yes. When did this happen? I know, right? Where, where, where was I? When, uh, talk to us about you have a new book called Seeking Purpose, a guide for creating a connection to spirit and uncovering your true life's mission. Sounds a bit different than what people expected from me after 25 years running my own business. And yeah, I would expect I, you to be like, you know, uh, you know, given some insight on, on running a business yeah. and being successful when it comes to business. Yeah, I know. That's what most people expected. Um, I've been working on the book pretty much on and off for about, I don't know, 10, 8 to 10 years for the most part. 10 years ago, I knew I was going to write this book. Um, it just was a lot of things had to happen in order for me to get to the place where uh, I could share this story, this sort of in, unbelievable story that uh, lays out in there. And uh, this is really what what I'm so excited about. What's exhilarating to me is that this is my true life's mission, like doing this, sharing that with people um, that direct connection to call it higher power, call it spirit, call it God, call it whatever you want is possible for everyone. This is not a special thing that's anointed to a special few. Um, this is something that's possible for everybody. And so my my purpose for being here on the planet is to share that uh, and to talk about it and to help people make that connection happen. So the idea is kind of a guide for someone who, who doesn't know exactly what their purpose is. And maybe it might be Maybe some helpful tips and ideas to kind of find the path. Exactly. For, you know, when I, so I was, you know, when I was 40 years old, let's say I was, this is going back eight years ago, highly successful, right? Doing really, really well. Primary breadwinner in my family, um, you know, killing it. Happily married, two great kids. On the outside, I looked awesome, right? Like everybody, like I looked really good. I was, I should be really happy. And I was really happy. But if you were to ask me if I felt like fulfilled, I would have to say no. I knew that what I was doing was not what I was meant to be doing. And in my earlier years, even starting when I was like 25 and younger, I would read books and think, oh, give me the directions. Like, how do I find that thing that's missing in my life? I knew I was like destined for big things, but I didn't know like how to get there or what it would look like. And so I was truly like a seeker, um, which is why I called the book Seeking Purpose, because that's how I felt for the for the majority of my life until I was directly connected to to my higher power. Until that happened, I was the person that was seeking. I was the person looking for the answers and couldn't find them and settling for what was a beautiful life and and living my life, but feeling like something was missing. 
So what, what were the what are the essential the essential building blocks that started you on the journey to write a book? I would love to write a book. Fantastic. I don't know what exactly it is that I would write a book about, but I'd like to at least kind of provide some insight to others uh, in a, in a special area of, uh, of need, whether it's you know talking on a microphone or yeah. behind a camera or whatever, but. Um, and I, I hear that from a lot of folks who aspire to write a book and share their wisdom and the knowledge. Um, what were the essential building blocks for you to uh, start the process? Because a lot of people start the process, install out, and sometimes they, you know, they get to a certain point, they put it down, and then they look at it three years later and go, hmm, should I? Some will pick it up and proceed. Others will just go, eh. Yeah, I tried. I tried to do it. I couldn't. I couldn't finish it. Right. Yeah, I, I would actually say probably like there's probably ninety percent more books out there that are not published, right? Because right. they're just sitting in someone's desktop. Um, well, I, for me, it was truly like a destiny thing. Like I knew I was going to write and finish this book, so there wasn't a time where I felt like unmotivated. I certainly picked it up and put it down, and picked it up and put it down, and picked it up and put it down. But I knew that I would publish it at one point. Um, and if you read it, uh, you know, if you find a grammatical mistake, know that it's because done is better than perfect. And I think that's generally a great rule of life is to think about done better being better than perfect. So um, I think that's the problem with finishing for most people. They get so kind of obsessed with the outcome not being perfect yeah. that they get. It can be overwhelming for them. Totally. Yep. You got to just leave that at the door and say, I have real value. I can add real value here. Um, so I think if you have a really good idea and it's about something that you really personally know and you can infuse your like I was uh, saying that people have read the book and they've said, I can hear your voice coming through on the pages. I can actually hear you saying How does it. it feel? Yeah, I mean, that's great. I, that's what I wanted to have happen. I want people to feel um, connected to me in that way. And and, I, and people who don't know me get it, would be able to get a sense from my personality. And so that makes me feel good. But that's, I think, what's going to make the book special. And so if you were writing a book, it would be just to infuse a, a topic that you know about, some infuse your personality, you know, and then don't let, uh, you know, per- perfect stand in your way. No detractors. No detractors. No. Okay. Um, so, I mean, where where does a lot of your information come from? Is this are these life experiences, things that you have experienced? Is it from um, other sources? Maybe maybe books you've read or uh, conferences that you have attended. I mean, where, where does a lot of of your inspiration in this book come from? Yeah, I had a very um, unbelievable experience. Uh, I read about it in the book um, where uh, my my father was diagnosed with glioblastoma, which is a 2% chance of survival. It's like the worst kind of brain cancer, mm. or probably any cancer you can have. And in a quest to save his life, <laughs> I went and tried to find a healer to heal him. So I traveled to South America, and uh, what I found in South America in trying to find a cure for my father, which was a crazy thing for me to have done. I mean, there's a lot. The whole the story of how that happened is in the book. It's it's sort of unbelievable that I took this trip. Um, but what I found was that his cancer was his greatest gift to me because without that kind of like dead end diagnosis, I would not have gone to the lengths that I did to get to South America to put myself in a position to actually receive communication from spirit and so I had it's in the book talk about this experience but it really uh, was kind of a wide open opportunity that I didn't know was possible I didn't know it was possible to have a direct communication (laughs) 
<laughs> with a higher power, with with my with spirit guide. I didn't know that was possible. So, so when you do again, people interpret spirit different ways. Yes. Whether it's whether it's religious spirit, whether it's the spirit you know the spirit that is within the the life activities of this planet. Um, what is it? You know, I would define it more like higher power, right? You can, some people say my angel, you know, or my God or my Buddha, right? Um, in the book, I talk about this a lot. Like, I think religion is kind of an interesting thing. Um, religions are more like sports teams now, right? So we have, we all kind of have our different and we compete against each other to try to fight for who has the right way. Um, and this book is not a religious book. It's like, you have a team, keep your team. I got a team, you got a team, doesn't matter. Because the book really talks about the places where religion comes together, mm. where where they have so much more in common than they have at odds with one another. And things like do unto others, as you would have done unto you, right? That's the Christian version of the of, of the saying, but it's in every single religion, right? Like, love yourself, love your neighbor. It's very simple. It's it's very simple. It's a good mantra. It's a good mantra, right? Mm. And there's a lot of those kind of hidden nuggets within different religions. And the book tries to talk about. I talk about that in the book. Um, you know where religion's getting it right. Um, and I see religion now. If you are religious, if you're not, you can read the book too. It's not really it, like I said. It's not a religious book, but. I see Jesus in a different way now than I saw growing up. I see Jesus as um, sort of the ultimate shepherd, like trying to tell us that religions are all just trying to get us to the same place, right? We're all headed to the same place at the end. And it's about our own individual connection with that higher power that is much more important than anything else. And that connection is possible for everyone. It's not unique. it's It's not special. We all can do it. And the book is the is sort of like the map for how to set the circumstances in place that you would be able to not only just talk out, pray out, right, Mm. those externally, but actually receive. And in that communication, your life's true purpose kind of is laid out for you. And the book talks about signs. We call them coincidences when we don't believe, but they're truly signs. What are the signs um, and how to follow them? What do they mean? Um, And, you know, I think the book is a sign. For people, if you buy the book, this book is part of your path. Well, if you're drawn to it, it, you were meant to have it. So, so let's talk about putting the, the when. When did you get serious? Again, you wrote this. You started this process yeah. many years ago. When did you kick it in overdrive? Where you, you're compiling the information, you're deciding what what each chapter is going to be based on. I mean, what was that? What was that like for you? Yeah, it was an iteration. I had a lot of um, beta readers, so I had a lot of people who uh, read the book for me and mm. gave me guidance. Um, and then an editor. I worked with an editor as well. But was writing easy? Was it writing this so? For some people, yeah. they could they can they can write a you know a couple of paragraphs and then stumble upon a wall until they can find their way over it. You know, write it. Sometimes you write as block. It might take you a day or two. I mean, did you find that what you had to say? flowed easier than maybe some others who, when they go to write, they experience issues? No, I, I did think that parts of it really were flow, where there was a lot of flow. But you you will appreciate when I tell you that I was a history major in high school, in college, because um, I'm I'm very into research. So, you know, my husband read it and he said, you know, pa- paragraph four is a little bit heavy on research. And I was like, it's the history major in me. I can't stop doing it. Um, <laughs> so there is there is, a, you know, a, an, a segment of that that I love that kind of stuff. Right. Um, so that was really fun for me. But I would. I would pick it up and I would write for four hours on a Sunday and then I would spend an hour on it Thursday and then I would send it out to a beta reader and I would get that back the following week. So it was very iterative and there was really 
I knew I couldn't publish this book until my company was done and I had fully divested everything from my company, stepped down as CEO, divested from the organization completely, was no longer connected. 100% focus. 100% focus. That was number one. Um, that happened sort of within the last like 18 months. Um, and then I had this legislation and that's been, you know, when you're talking about connecting to spirit and helping people increase their love and gratitude and giving, right? And we, we talk about these, it's, it, it, it kind of doesn't match with equal pay and <laughs> wage transparency. And so I really needed that to end. So I knew as soon as the bill passed that that was my sign that it was time to, to publish it. So uh, when I got the, you know, when I knew that it, early in the fall, I knew that this was going to pass this year. That was when I really kicked it into overdrive and said, okay, this is the sign now. This is my direction. Now I'm ready to go and I can really focus on this. So I finished the book, planned my first retreat, which is happening in February, um, Seeking Purpose Retreat at the Inn at Mills Falls, uh, February 9th through the 11th. Wow. Um, and it basically is a deep dive into the sort of segments within the book. And an opportunity for me to work directly with people, which I think is going to be really fun. So, so where did the title come from? I mean, you, you had the manuscript in hand. Did you did you have the title as you were writing it? You already knew what the title was, or when you had it complete the manuscript, or at least a, a, your first draft or yeah. your rough draft, then the title came. How, no, how so the rough work? draft title was Turbo Jesus. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but uh, what the feedback I got on that was that. Sounds like a, a rock band. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> um, it does sound like a rock. Maybe it, maybe there is. Maybe someone should make that a rock band. Yeah. I'd go to see it. Um, Turbo Jesus, because because again, as as when, when direct connection happened for me, it was as if I understood everything about my Catholic upbringing. It was like in an instant I understood. I, I so disagreed with a lot of the of, of Catholicism just in general and I've moved away from that, mm. you know, as my choice of religion, right? Um, but I understood immediately kind of what Jesus was trying to do. He was shepherding us all to us finding our own path and our own connection. So beautiful. And so I called it Turbo Jesus and the feedback that I got was, well, that'll seem like a real religious book and people won't want to read it. So then it became Turbo Spirit. And then that didn't resonate. So what I went back to with the final, how I settled on Seeking Purpose was when I go back to me at 26 years old, recently married, in my first as a recruiter, right, I was starting my company, you know, I, I really, that's what I was doing. I was seeking purpose in life. I really wanted to know what I was meant to do on this planet. I was really concerned I'd never find it. And so this book really is a manifestation you know, of that dream that I had as a young woman. If folks are just tuning in, uh, we're, we're fortunate to be speaking with uh, author Megan Driscoll, uh, who is uh, telling us a little bit about how she came to uh, write Seeking Purpose, also talking about a retreat that's coming up in February. Um, we've got, a, I can't believe time has like flown. We've got a about uh, five or six minutes left here. Right. It's interesting you talk uh, talk about Turbo Spirit. That didn't go on the scrap heap. It just became chapter one. Exactly. <laughs> I that's, couldn't get rid of it that's, entirely. That's pretty, that is pretty pretty cool. And how I transitioned that was this um, Turbo Spirit, which was really Turbo Jesus uh, originally, is that is is the equivalent of Oprah's aha moment. That moment where you're like, I get it. <gasps> I see it. I, I've been looking for this my whole life. I see it that moment, and so that's uh, that's the, the the term I've coined it. I, I find it interesting how you've kind of broken it down. A lot of times, authors will do that. They're tra 
chapters, you know, chapter one through 20, you've got it kind of broken up into parts. There's three parts, but yet the, the numbers continue on mm-hmm. uh, right up until your, your 10th chapter. Yeah. My tenth chapter, which was the hardest chapter to write, um, it was. Why is that? It was the fi- It was the final. It's kind of like uh, it's. It was written this year, so in twenty twenty three. I couldn't write the final chapter. So bliss to me is like, it's the equivalent of living your life's mission, and I wasn't living my life's mission until twenty twenty three. I knew what it was. All the beautiful things that needed to, I mean, I, in order for me to do this today, I needed to sell my company to a private equity firm. I needed to make, ha, make that be enough money to not have to work again so that I can do this and give it freely, right? I needed those things to line up in time for this to all happen. And so I knew it was going to happen because I was told it was going to happen. Then it did happen. And so it really wasn't until this year that I could truly say, I, I'm now fully engaged in living my life's true mission. Um, and it's just an exhilarating feeling. But I also talk about um, how there's a lot of stumbling blocks to that. And I really got lost. Um, I would say COVID, um, uh, the political ar- arena that we've been in, mm. um, has was very challenging for me. And I spent, I would say, uh, between 2020 and 2023, I really lost myself. I lost my connection. It wasn't strong. I didn't. I didn't have as much time to communicate. My family was in the house twenty four seven. Right, we were. So that's what started it. And then I got really dug down into political drama, if you will, and just lost. I so lost my way. And I picked the book back up, and I the book put me back on track. It was so amazing. It was like the, I wrote the book on how to get connected, and then the book put me back. You sure it, not, it wasn't just like a test, life's test, to see if you actually had you had it in order to be able to finish this project? Oh, I mean, it happened for a reason, 100%. I, yeah. you know, the universe, Things happen for a reason. I always say, and, and so when you say that, you believe that, right? Mm-hmm. So then the universe is telling you something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I definitely needed to learn a couple lessons um, that were a little painful. Um, but yes, I had to learn those lessons in order to not only time-wise be able to do this, um, but also just, again, to be kind of authentic um, to the process. So you self-published it. I did. If there's any aspiring writers out there, anybody who has who has a vision like you do, what would you tell them? Yeah, well, they can call me and I'll tell you all about it. I'm happy to tell you the highs and lows. Um, I will say, number one, that... I mean, I know I, I love small businesses and I'm a big supporter and I try to shop in town and all that stuff. The Amazon process for self-publishing makes it so easy. I mean, I can't even tell you. It's so, so easy. So uh, KDP Publishing, which is basically their publisher, they really help you uh, make it just snap, snap. Like I said, you can order this book today and it will be on your doorstep in 10 hours. Like That's kind of unbelievable. They mm. will print it and deliver it to you in less than 10 hours. Um, the other really good thing that, uh, thing that I really liked was I used this um, group called Fiverr, F-I-V-R-R, and it's uh, independent artists uh, of all kinds uh, that do beta reading and publishing and editing, and they also do book design and ebook design. And so I, I use a lot of services. Um, they're from all over the world, and you can look at their portfolios and choose in there very inexpensive um, and so you can do a lot more with your money goes a lot farther when you work that way so that was very very helpful to me if anybody wants to get a copy of this book maybe they might want to reach out to you and get a part get given 
be one a part of one of the first retreats or maybe yeah, that'd be great. It's on my future website. retreats. How do they do that? Yeah, so you can go to megandriscoll.com okay. um, and it will direct you to the retreat information. It will also direct you to a page where you can just click on the link and it'll take you to Amazon. But if you seek, uh, if you search Seeking uh, Purpose Megan Driscoll on Amazon, I will be the only one to pop up. Yeah, and let's make sure we get to, because there's a lot of different spellings these days. Mm-hmm. How do we spell Megan? It's super simple. I'm the easy way. M-E-G-A-N and then Driscoll with two L's. Excellent. I want to say thank you for stopping by and talking with me. When I saw that you had posted the book, I think I jumped on you. I was on you. You did. I know. It was amazing. You're going to be a guest. Yeah. Um, Because I I love empowering folks who who take the journey to share information. I I feel as though it's, it's, it's the least I can do to share that information on you know a medium like this ninety five nine WAT this this is what we do is share people's their good word their hard work and uh, I look forward to having you back and maybe what we do is before you um, before you start, go on your your retreat and if you're trying to get more fill you know fill more spots yeah maybe we get back on and we talk about the retreat and what it all entails I'm so grateful um, for just the program for you for reaching out to me super super grateful um, and maybe this is your mission to allow the opportunity for people to share their knowledge, right? So there you go. Maybe this is your mission. Maybe maybe, you're living your mission. Maybe I am. Yeah. She is Megan Driscoll. And again, uh, check her out. uh, And also go to a website, megandriscoll.com. We are going to step aside. But when we come back, we are going to speak about the current in Weymouth. Don't go anywhere. This is Monday Night Talk with your host, Kevin Tachi, on 95.9 WATD. It happened at the supermarket, November 20th, 1993, a Saturday. Most people do not buy duck. We are not a duck-eating people. Who thinks of duck? College quarterback Dick Wright did. On impulse, he pulled a nice frozen duck out of the freezer. (laughs) But then he noticed it had the shape and the feel of a football. Cold as Green Bay, but a football. So on his way out, there's his brother by the pickup, about 35 yards. Bill gets a grip on that duck. He faints toward the end zone. His brother goes wide left, and that frozen duck had the ride of its life. That wobbling duck just flew. It smashed through the fingertips of the wide receiver and demolished the windshield of Sal Roseo's 89 Firebird. You just can't put a good spiral on a frozen duck. I'm Peter Brown from Tiny and Sons Glass. We replace your windshield, and insurance pays. One. 888-64-TINIES. Just call. And thank you. Hi, I'm Holly Flanagan. Join me every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. on Breaking the Ice, Let's Talk Inclusion, presented by The Great Blizz. Each week, we discuss topics important to our inclusive community and highlight the talents and achievements of our community members. Make sure to tune in Wednesday night at 8 p.m. to Breaking the Ice, Let's Talk Inclusion, presented by The Great Blizz. Breaking the Ice, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., right here on 95.9 WATD. Fall is a great time to enjoy alfresco dining at the patio at McGuigan's. Start your open-air meal with a patio sampler platter piled high with chicken wings, cauliflower, potato skins, egg rolls, and chicken and biscuits. The patio's specialties include koji steak tips, braised short ribs, pan-seared salmon, and chicken marsala. Looking for something lighter? Sink your teeth into a patio burger, pulled pork sandwich, fish tacos, or margarita flatbread. 
Friday and Saturday nights feature live entertainment at the patio at McGuigan's. Sip on a specialty cocktail and unwind from the week as the fall breeze cools down the evening. The patio at McGuigan's is at 552 Washington Street in Whitman Center. And check out McGuigan's Pub next door at 546 Washington Street, also in Whitman Center. Download the Monday Night Talk podcast from iTunes for free. Just search for Monday Night Talk WATD. We now return to Kevin Tachi and Monday Night Talk. We are back for the final segment. Uh, We hope that uh, you are uh, ready for a uh, fantastic Thanksgiving as uh, we uh, get ready here at uh, Monday Night Talk. Uh, This is a great conversation, and I'm going to tell you, why a uh, we actually were fortunate last week to get kind of a little bit of an appetizer uh, with Michael Glenn and Nigel Barker as we uh, had a chance to chat with them just a little bit uh, about uh, the current located in Weymouth. They kind of talked a little bit about they had a, um, a fantastic grand opening. All kinds of uh, dignitaries uh, came came by and we promised you last week that we would continue the conversation. Um, but we've kind of changed things up just a little bit. Uh, Michael, uh, who is the CEO of Monarch Communities, uh, he is back. Michael, welcome back to Monday Night Talk, sir. Kevin, thank you. Happy to be here. You got it. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet with uh, Eileen Mahoney. Eileen is the executive director of The Current. And just before I, I let her say hello, uh, I was able to do a little bit of a, a tour. Uh, the thought was, is I, w- I was going to do a half an hour tour. The t- mm-hmm. There was so much to see, and it turned into a 75-minute tour. So I want to thank you, Eileen. Welcome to Monday Night Talk. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And it was great to have you into our beautiful community. Now, while it's always good to do your homework when it comes to Good conversation, because that's what we bring you here on Monday Night Talk. Good conversation, a variety of conversation. There's a little bit, I apologize, there's a little bit of a selfish element to this. I actually have a parent who is, uh, who's older, who is in assisted living. And you always want to explore your, 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 your possibilities for your loved ones. Give them the best that is available. So I wanted to go in and take a tour of this fantastic space. And Eileen, Christine, and honorable mention, uh, Gus, uh, kind of gave me a tour of this fantastic, uh, this fantastic facility. We'll, we'll start with, with you, Michael. Uh, give me kind of the thought behind a facility like The Current in Weymouth. Yes. And let me just tie a few things together. The parent company is Monarch Communities. We've got... Uh, communities, uh, senior living communities across four states. We are experts in the full spectrum of senior living services from the design and development side to the operations uh, and everything in between. And we just launched this new brand, The Current. Uh, There's The Current Weymouth and there's The Current Beverly. Subject today is The Current Weymouth. Uh, What's terrific about this property uh, is really the proximity to world-class uh, healthcare facilities, being South Shore Hospital, um, 
It is unique on the South Shore in that it is a continuum of care and really our message to the audience and our, our future customers and their families is we probably have a solution for just about every senior living need out there across our independent living, assisted living, and memory care. What is really important to me and why the current is different is the blend of design and culture to deliver an incredible experience um, to our residents. And it is not an experience that we force down on people. This is a building uh, that can accommodate many personalities. It's a 165,000 square foot building that uh, has lots of amenities. It's It has things um, in the, on the fitness side, on the art side, uh, for small groups, for large groups, for uh, socializing, watching a sports event, uh, outdoor dining, uh, hanging out by the fireside, all these things. And so we think that no, no matter what your, your needs are, as an elder uh, perhaps gets frail and, and wants to join an incredible community, uh, we think there's there's an answer uh, at the current Weymouth. And I, as you experienced, Kevin, the design is really incredible, the way the building flows uh, and has uh, incredible offering in many different areas. And now Eileen, who uh, thrilled at her experience to lead our a really great team, you know, she's charged with uh, bringing on a culture uh, that is it really uh, promotes the warmth that uh, every resident who moves in and their families deserves. Well, my understanding is via Christine and Eileen is is the idea is is that they want to empower the residents who are in each of the different neighborhoods independence. Is that correct, Eileen? Correct. Absolutely. Because we have a true independent living environment, assisted living and memory care, it's really been designed with special attention and making that transition a very smooth one for our resident um, in a very dignified way. So as Michael said, there is a program for just about any senior, um, not only today, but as they're aging in place. Um, and I have that wonderful uh, opportunity and responsibility to ensure that each of our residents are getting exactly what they need. Um, but there will be a need to foster independence across the programs and and neighborhoods um and that will be done not only through the the staff but i think just the physical layout of our community makes it so easy um to be able to do that for our seniors can we talk a little bit about and i i'd like to hear from michael and i want to hear from you eileen is the partnerships that you have you have with the community and some of the folks that you're working with to, to provide sure. some of the services to the residents who uh, are at the at the current right well i i let, let me start by saying that first and foremost in our assisted living and memory care uh the uh services will be provided by the current weymouth um, our own team who are fully trained and uh, able to care for our residents. Um, in addition to uh, providing our own care, 
uh, for independent assisted living and memory care, we have partnered with over 40 medical professional groups um, to allow our residents the convenience of being able to have a medical group come in and visit them in their own home very much like it would work if they were literally at their own home. Um, this is um, a very home-like environment. Uh, it's their new home, and they would be able to come in and take care of whatever need they had. So it just is a, it, they're not directly affiliated with us as much as it's the family's choice, the resident's choice. If they would like to choose to use any one of these partners, then they're able to do that. Michael, you want to weigh in? I'm really excited about the connection we have with the Weymouth Club, which is a uh, state-of-the-art health and fitness club uh, a few miles up the street. Uh, We have daily transportation available there, and we uh, are very close with the management there. And given our focus, and and we have great, actually, health and wellness facilities on site Uh, But the the connection with the Weymouth Club is really an exciting thing as well. Right. right. And internally, we have Fox uh, Physical Therapist um, Rehabilitation Group. Um, They actually will have office space with us and they will be partnering with us. um, As many of us know, as we age, fall prevention is key. Um, So having Fox as our in-house partner To be able to offer programs and assistance is, I think, one of the keys to helping uh, foster that independence that I mentioned earlier. Um, And they will uh, be spending quite a bit of time each week with us um, to ensure that that is happening. Um, And then, of course, we talked about South Shore. South Shore Hospital is in close proximity, uh, but so is uh, all of the South Shore specialty groups. Um, And they have all been um, wonderfully um, positive um, to us entering the market and providing care to their um, their patients as well. So I think it will be a very reciprocal um, arrangement, um, both with um, those entities as well as for the current Weymouth. If you happen to be uh, if you happen to be tuned in, you are tuned in to Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD. And we are fortunate to be speaking with uh, Michael Glynn. He is the CEO of Monarch Communities. Uh, they are the, uh, the, uh, the parent company to The Current in Weymouth and The Current also uh, located in Beverly. And we have Eileen Mahoney. She is the executive director of The Current in Weymouth. I want to take a, a moment to talk about this facility and the living spaces, the apartments, the different size mm-hmm. apartments, how they're furnished or or how there are different things, what, you know, what the bathrooms are, how they're specially designed. Can can we talk a little bit about that? We could start with you, Eileen. Well, first and foremost, uh, we are hearing uh, across the board that our apartments are larger than what they're seeing in the marketplace. So we're very, very happy uh, about that. Uh, we have many uh, different styles 
um, starting with, you know, typical studios to one bedrooms, one bedrooms with dens. Uh, we have two bedrooms, uh, two bathrooms. Uh, we have so many combinations uh, to fit whatever need uh, you may have. Um, in addition to the size of the apartment, there are some special features, um, such as with our bathrooms, um, there, the shower and uh, the low lip, uh, so that it makes it easy to be able to get in and out, uh, no matter what neighborhood you ha you happen to be in. Um, as Michael referenced earlier, I think one of the other nice attributes is the size of the windows. Natural light comes in. Um, the community just looks so bright and sunny. Um, even on a cloudy day, it just feels light and bright in the community, uh, which I think has, um, it, it really has a positive effect on residents on a day-to-day -day basis, for sure. Michael, would you like to uh, talk about the apartments and the different sizes or even the common areas? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll add that, you know, it's a difficult decision sometimes uh, for a family to downsize to apartment style. And as Eileen mentioned, what makes us unique is is the spaciousness of the apartments that we do have. We have a lot of two bedrooms, uh, spacious one bedrooms. And while it is a huge move for people sometimes to go from uh, just psychologically from a single family home to an apartment, once you take a tour of our building, I think many people have, have said right away, wow, this feels like like a home it's not exact we're not trying to replace uh the home that they had uh mm -hmm. we're, we're we're trying to uh be something special to them and, and be what we can be and the feedback we're getting is this is such a comfortable spacious place and um you know the independent living uh apartments they are very much like any um really luxury high-end uh, apartment you might see today. Um, mm -hmm. When you go into our assisted living neighborhood and memory care neighborhood, there's nothing uh, in there that makes you feel like this is institutional or that these people are uh, in need of tremendous care. As Eileen mentioned earlier, our job is to enable independence as much as possible, even in the memory care and assisted living section. And so the design, as well as the, the subtle help that you receive from the, the staff, mm -hmm. it really gives people a, an energy bump once they join our building, join, move mm -hmm. into our building, um, because some of the subtle things that really um, are difficult at that single family home um, are made easy here. And then they can uh, get back to who they are and and enjoy a, a more relaxing day-to-day -day routine. Right. And I would add uh, to that as well. In many cases, um, our seniors in their own homes, they tend to, you know, work or live out of just a small space within their home. Um, and that could be their sunroom, their living room, or, or what have you. Um, and the upkeep, the upkeep of that becomes very, very, very difficult. So although our apartments are very, very spacious and they have all access to all of our beautiful common areas, um, they really do feel like they're getting more. Um, despite the fact that they're they're leaving a, a larger home. Um, and I would also add that the physical space uh, of having the three neighborhoods has allowed us, already to 
uh, support couples staying together, but maybe not necessarily needing to be in the same neighborhood. So we have a situation where it works perfectly. You know, one spouse is, is highly independent and the other spouse needs more care. So we're able to offer that continuum of care um, for, for the wife while the husband is able to continue his uh, life the way he, you know, to do whatever he wants to do on a day-to-day basis, but still be together. Um, and I think that that is very, very important, especially the generation that we're speaking about um, it, they want to take care of each other, but their own needs are preventing some of that from happening. So to be in our environment and have the best of all worlds, you know, to have your loved one cared for and, and you have easy access to have meals together, to do activities together, to go on rides together, uh, whatever the case may be. I think that that's very, very important. I, I think I want to make sure that I touch upon the thing that was very impressive. I mean, it was there was so many different things. Like I said, when I mentioned the common areas, you mm-hmm. know, that not only was it spacious, right? Mm-hmm. So you wanted to go mm-hmm. somewhere, but there were little nooks in certain spots. Yes. So if you wanted to gather with your family, you could. There were ways that mm-hmm. you could, you can cordon off. So if you wanted to have a private mm-hmm. function, mm-hmm. you could. Mm-hmm. The courtyards were fantastic, and even the special touch of mailboxes. Can you uh-huh. touch, can you touch upon that, Eileen? Oh, absolutely. First and foremost, our memory care is unlike anything I've seen, and I've been in the industry for close to 20 years. Uh, First, it's on the first floor, and that only allows residents easier access to the outdoor space. Um, coming, going as they please, you know, on a sunny day to be able to just walk out and um, take a walk around the walking path. Um, there are planters out there for them to engage in, in planting and, and what have you. But what you've referenced, Kevin, I think is really important, and that is mailboxes. Um, many times, you know, our seniors will be so accustomed to every morning getting their newspaper, having a cup of coffee, starting their day like that. Um, and this enables them to do that. So, The moment I saw the mailboxes, I couldn't help but think of certain residents over the years that I would have had their daily newspaper out there waiting for them, their, you know, their mail waiting for them um, so that their lives wouldn't have to change all that much despite leaving their what they have considered their home for many, many, many years. But again, the memory care, it is such the colors, um, the flow of it. Uh, there is easy access for all of our residents. Um, and then in each of our neighborhoods, we have a, a, a separate kitchen that allows us to do those homemade things, baking and um, fostering families to come in and, and celebrate and, and you know, have um, meals with us, activities with us. Um, this, is a, this is an extension of everybody's family. Um, the best example I can give you is we are planning with the help of our chef. Um, we have a phenomenal chef. And this one family that I told you about, the uh, husband was, um, he was the prep person for Thanksgiving every single year. So this year it looks a little different for them. So we are really trying to go out of our way to make it as special and really, um, you know, drive new memories uh, for creating their new Thanksgiving in their new home. Um, So we'll be hosting 12 people, um, although he technically will be hosting. Uh, We'll be cooking, but he'll be hosting. And it will be, you know, three generations 
Uh, he has already told me what he would like to see on the menu that's already being prepared. And I just can't wait for that day to come when they can all sit around a table together in the dining room um, and being served and celebrating, you know, another family tradition, because that's what it's all about. Michael, if I can, if if I can ask you, and again, if folks want to know, this is actually located in Weymouth, right on Route 18, 1435 Main Street. When you were, when, Monarch uh, was looking for a place for its very first of its brand. Why was this location chosen and, and what went into designing this? Because one of the things that I was impressed with is even though this is, this is close to a busy throughway, you're inside the building and you don't really know that there is, you know, that, that there are things going on inside because it is so well constructed. Yeah, so we didn't spare any expense in terms of the construction. We hired a terrific design build firm uh, that is actually one of the more prolific developers in the Boston area. Uh, they specialize in hospitality, a group called Procon. Um, and they do a lot of like Marriott hotels and, and uh, multifamily buildings. The location, you know, we... Love to be, uh, as I mentioned earlier, proximate to great healthcare uh, resources. So we are a residence. We take care of uh, people's and their activity in uh, activities of daily living. Um, we do not provide uh, intense healthcare services, right? So you want to be close to uh, the best facilities like South Shore Hospital. Uh, and, and that was a big part of it. Also, we're directly across from you know, Union Point, South Weymouth uh, train station. Uh, so being close to, we want to be able to attract the, the best employees. And if we can make life easier for our employees, whether it's their commute um, or something inside the building that we're designing to make it a great place to work, you know, that's something we, we pay uh, special attention to. And we also try to create, um, you know, shifting over to the building design as opposed to the location, uh, make a, a, a spaces that are comfortable for, for every, you know, generation, the great grandkids, the grandkids, the uh, adult children and the residents themselves. As you walk into the building, you know, there's co-working space for, for anybody to kind of plop down and pull up their laptop. There's a beautiful bar uh, that is nicely situated um, next to the main dining room and it has massive windows that you slide open and you can serve drinks outdoors by the fire pit and so we've really uh, as people are starting to notice it is so gratifying because with the architect we rolled up our sleeves and really thought through every square foot of the 165,000 square foot building um, how people would interact with the space. Design is is so important because you get one shot at at putting the building together, and um, you know people are or their movements are going to be controlled uh, forevermore in a way um, that the building is designed. So you really need to nail it. And there's there's no uh, there's there's never a case where you spend too much time uh, going through the conceptual design. And and we love mm -hmm. doing it. It's a it's a fair part of what we do. And that's why uh, you know, Monarch, our, our parent company, being affiliated with the from the very beginning the, of the design through the operations is so important. We want to be accountable to every every step of the way. 
Um, and going bigger picture again, real quick, the way I entered this industry was actually from a design standpoint. Um, my background was in healthcare services, but then I studied design. I went um, and got a graduate degree in urban planning. And um, the, the reason that is relevant is I studied how people interact with buildings, with roads, with all with things that are proximate to each other. And my very, while there were lots of papers and many hours researching all this, you know, the conclusion is we make buildings and then thereafter buildings kind of make us. It, it is design is so, so important, how close we are to the healthcare, how close we are to the fitness, how close we are to the loved ones and how easy it is to access all the things that we've cherished throughout our lives. That is why design is, is so important. And again, if you are tuning in, uh, you are tuned into uh, Monday Night Talk here on 95.9 WATD. And uh, we're very fortunate to be speaking with uh, Michael Glenn. He is the CEO of Monarch Communities and Eileen Mahoney. She is the executive director of The Current in Weymouth. Uh, if you have time, if you if we have piqued your interest uh, you have a chance to stop by for a tour. You can arrange a tour. You can see the, the different size um, uh, apartments, whether it's studio, one bedroom, two bedroom. I believe all two bedroom um, apartments have two bathrooms. And we're talking mm -hmm. uh, anywhere from 340 square feet to um, 1,160 square feet that you may have a rooftop balcony if you're fortunate enough. Um, we just got three or four minutes left here, but I want to make sure, and, and honestly, I feel like that this the half an hour didn't even do it justice because there's so much <laughs> more I want to I want to talk about. But I, Eileen, I want to give you a moment to talk a little bit about sure. the staff and the importance of staff. Of course, and you got ten directors; they got their own teams. Yes, Can yeah. You talk about that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, first and foremost, in our industry, it is important to hire people who have a serving heart. Um, it is. Um, I have uh, worked very, very hard to build a team that are just completely committed to serving seniors and their families and each other. Um, so we are continuing to build on our team. And this is one of the things that attracted me to Monarch Communities, specifically the current Weymouth, is, is, is Michael's philosophy when it comes to how we cater to our residents and our families and understanding that the, the, the other link is the team. Right. It's a triangle uh, without the team. Most certainly uh, this magic doesn't happen. Um, so we put a lot of emphasis, as we should, in the incredible work that they do day in and day out. Um, and I couldn't be prouder and I couldn't be happier with the quality of the team that we have at the current Weymouth uh, today, as well as growing as we grow our residents. Uh, so will our team. So. Um, having perks like being able to access the gym and having showers in the community for them to access, serving them food every day and beautifully, um, you know, uh, delicious meals. Those are all just small perks just to say thank you for what you do. But, you know, it really does. Um, a lot does revolve around the team providing this amazing care. Yeah, and that's what I take the most pride in. And I want to make sure that I also mention that, again, there's so many things we haven't had a chance to touch upon, mm -hmm. and it's well worth 
taking a tour. I got four pages of notes, and I, I think I mm -hmm, made mm -hmm. a dent in them. Michael, uh, we just got like a minute left. Is there anything we did not mention or anything that you want to say to the folks who are tuned into this segment? Well, I appreciate the time, Kevin, and to all the listeners and wish them a happy Thanksgiving. We'd love to, uh, we, we're happy to take drop-ins, stop by anytime convenient, 1435 Main Street, right across from the South Weymouth train station. And uh, I think no amount of words can really uh, express what you'll experience mm -hmm. uh, by walking in and seeing the design and experiencing Eileen and her team, the, the care, the warmth um, that really coincides well with this time of year and giving thanks mm -hmm. to Eileen and all the wonderful people who have been involved in this creation and, and Kevin for your time and um, really researching your, your topics um, and, and going in there and experiencing it. Um, mm -hmm. Very grateful for your, for your time. Eileen, would you like to say something to close it out? I would. I For anyone out there, um, having the task of deciding what your next venture looks like uh, we most certainly understand it. We're experienced through that transition. We understand that seniors are searching for one place to call home. And should I ever be so lucky uh, that you call it the current Weymouth, um, please stop by. If you do have any questions, we would love to answer any of the questions that you may have today well, or into the future. Amen. Is there, is there a website that they can go to, Eileen, real quick? They can. www.thecurrentweymouth.com. Excellent. Uh, Michael, Eileen, thank you so much for your time. Uh, special mention to uh, Casey and Sarah for uh, uh, kind of uh, helping to put this together. And, and I want to thank our audience. Thank you so much for tuning in. May you and your loved ones have a, an amazing Thanksgiving filled with love and good food. And until next week at 6.15 p.m., have a great evening. ATD-FM Marshfield, WBMS Brockton. The South Shore's first choice for live team coverage of breaking news, emergency traffic, and severe weather. WATD, streaming online at 95.9WATD.com. And with your smart speaker, just by saying play WATD.